Jesus was tempted in all ways like as we are, yet without sin. He didn't sin. But he was tempted in every way that we are. So it says, we have a high priest who knows what it is like to be tempted as we are. He knows how to help us. In John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear from God, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Part of our temptations are removed when we really in our heart pray, Thy will be done. Most of the problems we have are caused because we want our will to be done on this earth. So when we really see ourselves as servants of God and want to do His will, many doors are closed on temptations from devils. One of the things I wanted most in my own life was to marry. Even from the time I was a young girl four, five, six years old, I asked my dad, what will my last name be when I marry? And he couldn't answer that. So it was in my heart to marry. After I became a Christian, of course, I was praying for me to marry. And our prayer group was praying for me to marry. The woman who was sort of the leader of our prayer group said, of course, if it's God's will for her to marry. But then she added, but of course, it's God's will for her to marry. And everybody just went on and prayed for me to marry. At one point, as a young woman, I began attending a church called Word of Faith. Robert Tilton was pastor at that time. And we were strongly taught, if you want something, find a scripture that agrees with that which you want and pray that scripture. Well, I found a scripture in Isaiah which said, none shall want her mate. I wrote that scripture in the front of my Bible and every morning I would pray to Mary. The one man that I dated he even said, Joan, don't stop praying about our marrying. And then he just disappeared. It was just the most amazing thing. He just vanished. I saw him again later. I didn't ask him why he vanished, but the door was just closed on it. There was another man that I was dating, and at that time I owned a business, and I had big plate glass windows in the front of my business. I happened to glance out the window, and I saw Bob coming up the walkway toward my shop. And I clearly heard these words, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. You can have all the money you want, but you're not going to have that. 
Well, I thought he was telling me I wouldn't be marrying Bob. I didn't at that time realize he was telling me I would not be marrying. I have to assume it just wasn't the will of God for me. At the age of 84 right now, let me just first tell you that most of you will marry. So don't get afraid by what I've just told you, that you won't get to marry. Most people marry, but there are some people that are chosen by God to do a work of God on this earth, which they might not marry because of that work. And I think I was one of those. We know Peter married, and we know Paul did not marry. So you could be married and do ministry of God. But you might be one of those who do not marry. But most people will marry. But my claiming that scripture, none shall want her mate, had absolutely no power in my life because it was not the will of God. So we have to pray according to the will of God. We also have to resist the temptation, not by finding a scripture to claim, but rather by simply turning to God as a little child and saying, please help me. It's very simple. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Sometimes God gives us a scripture when we turn to him. And because of that scripture, we rejoice in God. And I've had the devil flee from me without my having to do anything other than hear from God. One example of this was in 2021 at the age of 81. All of a sudden, one day, I was bombarded with thoughts. What will happen if you can't walk? If you can't walk, if you get to where you can't walk, you can't live where you're living now. What will happen to you? Where will you go? I cried out to God. God, help me. That's all I said. And I heard, God will supply all your need. And I said, that's right. God will supply all my need. So no matter what my need is, it doesn't matter because God will take care of it and supply it. Well, I didn't have to resist the devil who brought those negative thoughts. He just fled on his own the minute I heard, God will supply all your need. I was so sure of it, and I rejoiced in that word that I heard from God, and the devil disappeared. Those negative thoughts were gone. Jesus was tempted in all ways like as we are tempted. And it says in Hebrews 4, verse 16, Let us therefore come boldly 
unto the throne of grace in prayer that we may obtain mercy in that temptation and find grace to help in the time of need. The most important first step in temptation is saying, God help me. Please help me in this. Show me what to do. Please help me. Oftentimes in a temptation, we don't really want to escape. But God will make a way of escape that we can bear that temptation. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. There are times we look at a person who has a certain illness and we'll say, oh, what if I got that? I can't stand that. Well, God won't allow you to be tempted above that you are able. So really, that is a thought of a devil trying to frighten us. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy, says Jesus. And he does it by bringing us thoughts. Jesus says, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In considering the temptations of Jesus in the Bible, he was taken by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was tempted by the devil. We can read about that in Matthew 4. I'd like us to read about it in Luke 4 because there's something it says in Luke 4 that it doesn't tell us in Matthew 4. In Luke 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, afterward he hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it shall be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So Jesus did not do what the devil tried to get him to do. Verse 5, And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, 
and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. If you'll obey me, all will be yours. That's what worship is, obeying. So the devil puts that temptation out there for Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. I've had situations where God prepared me before the event by telling me something that he wanted me to do and something he did not want me to do. And he put it in my heart what he wanted me to do and showed me not to do the other thing. I've had that happen. At the time I attended Word of Faith Church in the late 1970s, 77, 78, along that period of time, 1980, my pastor, Robert Tilton, came to me when he realized I was to be a minister. Bob came to me and said, Joan, you need to get with Michael Ellison Advertising Agency. They can do you a lot of good. That's the first time I'd ever heard of ministers having advertising agencies. Bob went on to tell me that they represented Kenneth Copeland, Marilyn Hickey, and himself, Robert Tilton. And they had represented at one time Jimmy Swaggart. So I contacted Michael Ellison Advertising Agency, and at first they turned me down. But I had a woman who was coordinating events for me on a volunteer basis. She was a very skillful businesswoman and knew how to get things done. She was, at that time, a vice president with Braniff Airlines. She said to me, let me call them. So she called Michael Ellison Advertising Agency, and they agreed to take me as a client. It was amazing to me because they'd already turned me down, but she managed to get them to take me as a client. My representative flew into Dallas where I was living, and I had a meeting with him and with this woman who had gotten them to take me as a client. The three of us sat at a table at my apartment. The advertising agent just talked to me. He told me that Jimmy Swaggart had come to them wanting to be their client. And at that time, Swaggart only had about four or 500 people coming to his meetings. And according to this agent, he said that they immediately told Swaggart how to get big numbers of people to come to his meetings. They told Swaggart, cut back on the preaching and play the piano and sing to the people more, because Swaggart was a country-western singer. Years later, God showed me this was a sin. 
I didn't know it was a sin when I first heard about it. But what God showed me to do is to tell Swaggart to cut back on the music and begin again to preach the Word of God instead of entertaining the people. If you entertain people, they'll come to your meetings. So he could sit up there and play the piano and sing, and people came in like they're going to a rock concert, although it was country-western gospel music. And it seemed religious, but I'm sure in the sight of God it wasn't religious. Sometimes we don't see our sin, but sometimes in our heart, it is planted in our heart not to do something. Planted by God. So at that meeting with that advertising agent, he said, "Uh, just one thing, Joan, that we would like you to do. We would like you to do this on all of your envelopes and all your printed material that you send out to the radio audience or the people who come to hear you. We would like you to have printed on it these words. Send me your prayer request. Instantly, I said, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, it shocked Barbara and the agent when I said that. Because you see it, unless God has shown us something is wrong, we might not know. And they didn't know it was wrong to do that. I said, they don't go to God through me. The people in the congregations go to God through Jesus Christ, not through Joan Boney. I don't want them to send their prayer requests to me. I want them to pray. The ad agent said with that, well, you're missing a good bet because when you say, send me your prayer request, most people will put in the envelope some money when they ask you to pray for them. It was a fundraising gimmick used by the ad agency. And I know many big-time preachers use it today to get money. In James chapter 5, we read, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. No one can be as fervent as you in prayer about your needs. No one can know the depth of your need and be as fervent in prayer as you are capable of being. I guess you think some people are more religious than you are, and if I can get them to pray for me, maybe God will answer my prayer. But the truth of the matter is, if you pray according to the will of God, God will answer your prayer anyway. If you aren't able to get your prayer answered, you better examine whether or not it is God's will for you to do this thing. Once when I was living in Lubbock, Texas, on the west side of Texas, a young man was coming to try to get a job at Texas Tech, a university in Lubbock. 
He was coming from East Texas, 600 miles away. He attended a church, and another man that I was friends with over in East Texas, who had put in my sound system for me at my house, told me that Clay could do some work on my sound system if I would let him stay at my house that night, the night before he was going for his job interview. And I said, well, of course he can stay at my house. So Clay was staying in my guest bedroom, and he worked on my sound equipment, doing whatever it was David wanted him to do. And as we sat and talked that night, he said, it is so nice to be around a truly godly woman. And he said, it must be nice for you too, because now you have someone tonight that you can tell your troubles to. And I said, Clay, I don't tell my troubles to humans. He was shocked. He said, you don't? And I said, no. And he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I just pray to God, directly to God, over any trouble that I have. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we talk to God. And then Clay said, well, will you pray that I get that job at Texas Tech tomorrow? And I said, no, Clay, I won't. Because I don't know if it's the will of God for you to get that job at Texas Tech. I don't know God's will on this subject. So I won't pray. If you will look at me, look with me at first John chapter five. Start at verse fourteen. And this is the confidence that we have in God that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that God hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. I don't know the will of God for clay or for you unless God specifically gives me a word of knowledge. Oftentimes, I don't even know the will of God for me. So Jesus taught us to pray, Thy will be done. In addition to praying that, it's all right to let your request be made known unto God. If it's the will of God for you, it will be done. And if it isn't, it won't be. So you can pray asking God for something that you desire. And then you can always, in your heart, pray, Not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus prayed three times that he wouldn't have to go to the cross. But he prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. I believe that's correct. You can look that up.
But I know if you want something that's not the will of God, it won't be done because it would be detrimental some way to you or to God's purpose for you. But if you pray according to his will, it will be done. You don't need a preacher to pray for you. You go directly to God in prayer. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Effectual means according to the will of God, and fervent means red hot. It's a burning prayer. Vanetta Copeland told me this story. That's Kenneth Copeland's mother. We were very good friends at one point in time. She said that one of the Copeland children was dying, in the hospital dying. And she said they were standing around his bed claiming scripture. And this child was dying. And Vanetta recognized the child was dying. And she left the room where they were claiming scripture. And she just went into another room, fell down on her knees, and begged God, please don't let that child die. It's not a matter of claiming scripture. It's a matter of turning to God with childlike humbleness and just asking God for his will to be done and asking God to help you in the midst of a temptation. Look for a second, second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. This is Paul describing Antichrist who comes into the churches at the end times. Verse 4, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. For you to try to find a scripture to stand on without turning to God in prayer, for you to do this is to cause yourself to be as God, knowing good and evil. You don't know for sure about a situation, whether it's good for you or whether it's bad for you, unless God shows you. But to try to be God, sitting in the church, without turning to God and asking him for help, that's to try to be God. That's Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He doesn't turn to God. He doesn't turn to God asking for help. He tries to be God himself. And that is the great problem in claiming Scripture over things when you have not been shown by God that this is something that you're to do. Now Jesus, in one of the other temptations, Luke 4, verse 9, And the devil brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple 
and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered the devil and said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. During the coronavirus, when it first started in the year 2020 in March, so many church people were boasting that God would never let them get the coronavirus. They were going to go to church. God will never let them get sick. That's tempting God. That boasting is tempting God. Instead, they should have been turning to God and simply saying, in this situation, what do you want me to do? Humbling yourself, allowing God to rule over you. You can't be your own God that way. You will get greatly put down by God if you try that. Instead, it is, what do you want me to do in this situation? And I saw that over and over, where they were tempting God in the midst of the coronavirus. I have another example of what I think was tempting God. A woman used to visit my mother. She would get out of her car, leave her purse in the car outside, leave the car unlocked. And my mother said, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should bring your purse in. She said, oh, God would never let my purse be stolen. I believe that's tempting God. One day, her purse was stolen. We are not supposed to try to be God. We are children of God, following God, seeking the will of God. I will tell you, in all the time I attended Word of Faith, which was about four years, I never once heard anyone say, turn to God and ask His will. It was that we were supposed to know the will of God and hunt a scripture and claim it over our lives. So I see a fallacy in this situation. Instead of trying to be God and finding scripture and claiming that scripture, turn to God. Ask him for help. He might choose to bring a scripture to your attention. Then you can safely hang on to that scripture in the situation. Because it was God who brought the scripture to you. Spiritual warfare. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But you first submit yourself to God. That's the first step in the temptation. Turn to God in prayer. We had a woman in our church group that I didn't know she was doing it this way, but she was skipping step one 
and trying to argue with the devil when she was tempted. I said, don't do that. In the midst of the problem, don't just start arguing with the devil. Submit yourself to God. If he gives you something to stand on, then you stand on that scripture or whatever it is. And the devil will flee from you. You resist the devil by standing on that which God gives you. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. But that's resist the devil with whatever it is God has told you about the matter. And he will flee from you. The same thing is true with dealing with destructive thoughts that come to your mind. Those destructive thoughts are from devils. Turn to God first in prayer. If God gives you a scripture, just know that that is what will happen. And most of the time the devil just flees from you. You don't even have to speak the scripture to the devil. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. When the people of the world are troubled, many times they will find some form of work to do and they start frantically doing that work and then they feel better. We don't do that though. It's not a matter of cleaning out closets to get your mind off the problem. We're supposed to face the problem directly in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known unto God. Turn to God with every problem that you have. If you are troubled about anything at all right now, that simply says you have not settled the matter with God. You have not prayed and really put your trust in God in the situation for help. You have not really called on God for help if you're troubled about anything right now. Just stop and turn to God and ask him to help you, knowing that if it's the will of God for you to do something or not do something, he will help you, whichever way. Those are important basic premises on this subject of spiritual warfare. Taking thoughts captive, dealing with destructive thoughts. Having an understanding that God will help us. Having an understanding that if we are praying according to the will of God, it shall be done. If it's not done, perhaps we're not praying according to the will of God. Or maybe we're not resting in God and waiting on Him, but wanting it done immediately. Sometimes God will do it immediately. Other times, He just gives an assurance on the situation. But in all things, we must not try to be God, but let God work out the situation, following Him. And if there's something to do, and He tells us to do it, then doing that. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you today.